Father in heaven, thank you so much that you have created this time, this meeting where we can come together and understand more of what your word teaches us. Father, I pray that what I say would not be me speaking, but it would be your word, and that everybody would hear your word. Help us as we study your word to discern truth and obey. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Third John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Question, are you prospering? Are you in health? Is your soul prospering? I looked at this verse a little differently recently because it seems like the first two things are contingent upon the last one. But I cannot have physical health unless my soul is prospering. So the question is, is my soul prospering? Because we're looking at spirituality and health for the last days. And I do believe that this is the time of the last days that we're living in. I'm going to review a quick summary of what I believe everyone in the room right now already believes, or at least you know as far as health. I'm going to tell you 12 things, and they're very common. So here you go. Number one, when it comes to health, we should exercise regularly. Go outside, get some fresh air and sunshine, right? Exercise regularly. This includes those healthy components of exercise where we run and get our heart rate up into our target zone to be healthy. This is where we walk to increase our metabolic rate. This is where we do weight training to increase our muscular strength and endurance. We do flexibility exercises, okay? All of these things, we know this. Number two, plan nutritious meals. Quality, which means low or no processed. <laughs> the right amount, the right amount of serving size for the person, their level of activity, and the right time of day. When to eat and how far apart our meals should be. About four and a half, five hours apart. Third, hygiene. It's time to be clean, right? Take a shower or bath every day. Wash your hands after you go to the bathroom. Have clean clothes, clean living space, clean workspace, and clean food, food that's not bruised or damaged. Fourth area, quality rest getting the sleep that we need. The length of time, the time we should start every night, and the consistent routine of going to bed every night. This is why we're talking about time. <laughs> water, drinking plenty of water, getting that shower on the inside of the body just like we get a shower every day on the outside of the body. How do we know if we're getting enough water? We generally say the first thing is that you should drink half your body weight in ounces of water. Well, we don't know how much water may be in your food, so we follow up with the second part of that saying, until your urine is clear or virtually clear. Because okay? if you're eating a lot of whole foods, 
fresh fruits and vegetables, you probably don't need to drink as much water. And don't forget, Jesus is the water of life. We need him as well. Sunlight, morning. We need it in our living spaces because it helps control mold and mildew. So open the curtains. <laughs> Let it come in. Go for a walk in the morning. Get that sunlight. It helps to convert cholesterol to vitamin D. It helps to relieve seasonal affective disorder and depression in people. Temperance. Temperance is about balance. Balancing our work. Balancing our play. Controlling our stress. Being temperate in all things. Getting fresh air. It's invigorating. Besides, it smells good, right? <laughs> Have you thought about this? Oxygen actually helps to eliminate free radicals from the body. How does it do this? Oxygen runs around, changes things into carbon dioxide, the free radicals into carbon dioxide, and gets rid of them. So when we exercise, we're getting rid of free radicals from our body faster than if we sit around. Relationships. Build them. Create good, solid relationships with God, with our family, with friends, with coworkers, with church members. How are we doing with our relationships? Next one, develop emotionally. This is knowing our emotions, managing our emotions, understanding the emotions of others, and motivating ourselves to do things that we know we need to do. Number 11, managing our finances. This is living within the means of your earned income. Getting out of debt and staying out of debt. It's great speaking to a college audience, right? Mm -hmm. It's more than that, though. It's giving tithes and offering consistently, as God tells us in his word. And I honestly believe it's more than 10%. And we need to study and know what it means to give tithes and offerings. And finally, the twelfth one, to grow spiritually. Daily time with God in prayer and Bible study. Weekly attendance at church, coming to meetings like this, seeking God more. We know these, right? If we do these things, we'll be healthy. We won't be going, how come my relationship with God is struggling? Now, why did I get sick? You know, if we're doing these things, but the question is ultimately, why don't we do these things? People give all kinds of reasons why they don't do these things. One, they just don't want to. Can't make me go to church. I'm not going to go. <laughs> Some, it's too hard. It's easier just to go with the flow. Or maybe it's their attitude toward health. I'm healthy enough. They're comparing themselves with other people. I'm just as fit as they are. I run two miles a day. Okay. Maybe they're just doing what they grew up doing. And they're used to that. It's convenient. It's normal. Maybe they're copying the people around them. You need to be very aware of the friends that you hang out with because they have a huge influence on the choices that you make in life. For some, it's just that they want to do what's fun. And doing what is right and best isn't always fun. Another one. Some people just lack knowledge. They don't know how to live. But I believe everyone in this room, we know, we understand how to live a healthy lifestyle. So why don't we do what we know? 
If we know how to live, why don't we consistently live a life, a healthy life, as a way of life? The number one reason is no time. No time. I don't have time to exercise. I don't have time to plan healthy meals. I don't have time to get consistent quality sleep. I don't have time for family and friends. I don't have time for daily prayer and Bible study. I got up late this morning. <laughs> Had to run to class. Didn't even eat breakfast. Oh yeah, forgot. That's a healthy thing I'm supposed to be doing too. <laughs> right? See where this is going? The list goes on and on. But we know what to do. If we know how to live, why don't we consistently live a healthy life as a way of life? Why isn't it the norm? Why is it the exception? We have the choice to live a healthy life. Christ died on the cross to guarantee us freedom of choice. So how do we make decisions? Do we make our decisions based on our beliefs and values? Do we make our decisions in the moment with the group that you're with? You know, how do we make our decisions? Do we plan them out? Do we do research? Figure out what decision we're going to make. Is it just who I'm with at the time, peer pressure? Am I just doing things to please parents, please other people? Or is it I'm doing this based on the rate of return? I've heard a new phrase in the last few years, this friends with benefits phrase, that they're only in certain relationships because of the benefits they get for, from it. This rate of return. What about media? Popularity. I'm only doing this because of the media, the influence of the media, and what seems to be popular. Health is a choice. Standing for God in the last days is about choice. And it's not about some future choice. It's about the choice I make today. The choice I make today will determine the choices I will make in the future. There are two issues that I think we have in regard to this concept of no time. I don't have enough time. The first one is our values. If we don't understand our values, we will consistently make decisions opposed to our values. We need to spend some time looking at our values and understanding what our values are. And the second thing is our understanding of time. Or maybe it's a misunderstanding of time. So we're going to look at both of these. Number one, looking at values. Are we making our decisions based on our values? Because if we are making our decisions based on our values, then we would be doing everything we're supposed to be doing. Right? We would never have any conflict. What happens, though, is we have a set of values. Whether we've actually spent any time looking at it or not, we have a set of values lined up right here. And then all day long, we're making decisions in opposition to those values. And so in the back of your mind, all day long, you know something's wrong. You just can't quite figure out what's wrong. Something's wrong. I know something's wrong. I wish I could figure it out. And I just told you. See? Spend some time looking at what you value. First text that we're going to look at is Matthew 19. If you'll turn there, Matthew 19, starting with verse 16. Matthew 19, starting with verse 16. And behold... One came and said, Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? So let me ask this. Why would anyone want eternal life? 
Come on, you're my class. You can talk to me. Why would anyone want eternal life? It's a healthy way of living, <laughs> right? It beats death, right? So think about this. It's about being healthy, right? Eternal life is about eternal health, okay? So he's asking this question. You know, what do I need to do that I can have eternal life? And Jesus says unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. What he's doing is he's subtly saying, You called me good because you know I'm God. doesn't really bring that out too much, but there it is, okay? You're, you're announcing that I'm God because you're calling me good. And he says, but if thou wilt enter into life, what does he say? What is he supposed to do? Keep, Keep the, the commandments. commandments. Keep the commandments. And so the, the man says unto him, which? Like, which commandment? And Jesus says, he starts listing them, thou shalt not murder, not commit adultery, not steal, not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And the young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But the young man when he heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Bring out a couple of things here. The young man said, All these I have kept since my youth. What lack I yet? Note, this young man is a commandment-keeping person. He's done it since he was small. And yet, what does he say? What lack I yet? He knows something's missing from this equation. He knows that keeping all those commandments hasn't solved his heart cry. How to fix the problem that's missing. Okay? He knows he's not right with God. He values heaven and he wants it. And the answer comes to him, go, sell all you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. The Bible give us, gives us direct instruction on how to live. And many of us walk away sorrowfully because it's too hard. It takes away our earthly possessions. And we have to start thinking about God's time, God's kingdom, and not just our small amount of time on planet Earth. The answer comes, go and sell all you have. Why does this man leave sorrowfully? Because he has a value conflict. He has a value conflict. He wants heaven, and he wants all his earthly possessions, and he cannot have both. He only gets one. And let's think about this, right? We know that heavenly possessions are worth more than we could ever have on planet Earth, even if we were the richest person on this planet. So what is it that you need to sell? What is eating your time with God? Are you, are we, Busy accumulating things in life. Busy just going about our day-to-day -day life and missing out on eternal life. The top values that people give, that they have when I ask people to share their values, the top values that I get come up to be these. Relationship with God, family and friends, and health. Those tend to be the top three. 
or at least they're in the top five. But that relationship with God always seems to climb to the top anytime I speak to a Christian audience. So the question is, if we believe that we should spend more time with God and develop that relationship deeper, why don't we? I think it's a correct belief. I think we need to be having a deeper relationship with God. So I'm going to answer this question by looking at the Bible, and you can turn to Genesis 1. So let's first address why we believe we should spend more time with God, because ultimately it comes back to health, living a holistic existence. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. God set a framework for our existence and that of the animal kingdom to be one of health. He gave us a plan of how to live. Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17. And the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt die. A command was given in regard to our health in the Garden of Eden. A command in regard to our health and well-being. If we disobeyed the command, we would die. We live in a world now where the effects of that disobedience is all around us. It is if we inherently know that if we spend time with God, we will keep His commandments. And if we keep His commandments, we will inherit eternal life. This is why we have this great desire to spend time with God, because with Him, we are safe. Let's look at this some more in regard to what God says in our health and obedience to Him. Exodus 15, verse 26. And God said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in His sight, and will give ear to His commandments, and keep all His statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. Now, 
he is talking about the Egyptians and the experience that they just had when they came out of Egypt. But for us today, it's not a place called Egypt. It's called a, a place called the world. To come out, to not do the same things that the world does so that we don't get the same diseases that the world gets. Exodus 23, 25. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. God is telling us specifically that he wants to bless our health. Leviticus 25, 18. Wherefore ye shall do my statutes, and keep my judgments, and do them, and you shall dwell in the land in safety. Matthew 9:35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease from among the people. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do today for us. He doesn't want us to be sick. If I'm sick or if you're sick, we can't do his work, or at least not very well. He doesn't want us to be sick. He wants us to be healthy. Romans 10, 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. If we obey the law of God, we will be blessed with health. To live a healthy life always, I know you're not supposed to use the words always and never in those words. I'm using the word always intentionally. To live a healthy life always comes with conditions. Always comes with conditions. If you do this, then you get X. Okay. If you eat of the fruit of the wrong tree, you get death. If you keep the commandments, statutes, and judgments, you prosper and are in health. Not saying it's easy, but it's the way it is. Are we going to obey? What do you value? Do you value the Word of God above other things? Movies, Facebook, time with friends, general biology? Where's the value of the Word of God in your daily life? Where's that value at? Then, do you make your decisions based on those values? If I say that my relationship with God is the most important thing to me, and I didn't spend any time with Him all week, and I'm thankful it's Sabbath, am I really valuing my relationship with God? If I only hang out with him once a week. I mean, yes, it's better than nothing. But I don't think that's really what we're after. So the first thing that I talked about was value. What do we value? The second thing is time. The reason why I honestly think we have an issue with time and no one has any time to do anything. Like, you just listen. I heard it this morning when I was listening to the Sabbath school class. I kept hearing time, time. It's, it's like everywhere, time. The reason we don't have time, I believe, is because we're not on God's time. We're on world time, and there's a huge difference. 
We need to understand the time in which we live, and we need to understand God's time. Revelation 3.20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him, and he with me. God wants to be with us. He's knocking. He wants to be with us. He's asking for time, time with us. God wants us to hear his voice, to learn from him, his word, the Bible. My health and my life actually depend on it. Your health and your life depends on it as well. Are we understanding time incorrectly? Are we confused about what time really is? Have we confused the difference between worldly time and God's time? Question, who is in charge of time? Now we can make a lot of things, right? But there's one thing I don't know anyone can make, and that's called time. Since you've been sitting here listening to this, time has disappeared. It has gone away. You can't get it back, it's gone. You only have this moment right now. So who is in charge of time? Who created it? God. Joshua 10, if you'll turn there, Joshua 10, starting with verse 8. Joshua 10. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not be a man of them stand before thee. This is complete annihilation. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And then this story goes on about how they destroy these other nations. Okay? That God actually does it. It actually says in verse 11 that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them and they died. And there were more that died from the hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. So God can take care of any problems that we might have. I don't think we should pray that he should kill people. That's not what this is about, okay? But God has taken care of his people. And there is going to be a time when hailstones come and destroy people who do not believe. Okay? This will be repeated. Then Joshua, then speak Joshua to the Lord in the day, when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel, and he said in the sight of Israel, so he's saying this to everybody, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ashkelon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven, and hastened not to go down about a whole day. You've got a whole nother day. You got a time problem? I got a God that can give you an answer to your time problem. But do we know Him? Do we know the God who created time? And are we living according to His time? Verse 14 And there was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, that the Lord fought for Israel. What's interesting here is that if you look at this story, Joshua knew that God was with him, but he didn't sit around waiting for God to destroy the enemy. He actually did a sneak attack. 
He moved forward. He knew God was with him, and he took God with him as he went forward, doing the will of God. God did not ask him to do what he could not do. So who is in charge of time? God. He created it. What is the most important thing we can do with our time? What's the most important thing you can do with your time? Give it to the owner. Give it to the owner. God owns time. Give it to the owner. Your time belongs to God. It is not your own. Give it to God. So let me ask you a couple of questions, because I really do think we need to look at time differently. From a worldly time perspective, when does the 24-hour day begin? Worldly time, when does it begin? Yeah, midnight. So on a worldly time, every day, we look at from midnight to midnight, right? But if you look at God's time, when does the day begin? Sunset. Sunset. From sunset to sunset. Leviticus 23.32. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest. And you shall afflict your souls in the ninth day of the month at even. From even unto even shall you celebrate your Sabbath. God's day is evening to evening. We see this in the creation. God's day goes from sunset to sunset. And we know this as Seventh-day Adventists. This is not a surprise. We do this once a week. We stop all of our work on Friday. In fact, we're always in this little rush, right? Getting everything done at that last minute. Or do we? Do we now just kind of just, oh, it's getting close. So just kind of slide. I'll just finish this up. God won't mind. Okay. Or how about it ends at sundown on Friday night, or on Sabbath night. The Sabbath ends at sundown, Sabbath night. How many people are looking forward to that sun to go down so they can go do whatever they want? Where's our heart? Where's our heart? Do you see, all of a sudden, my health, my heart, is going to be based on my time, God's time. God created time. He has to have my heart, and does he? Let's look at a couple of weekly cycles here because we know that the God's time is sunset to sunset and we know that God created a seven-day week. He created the earth in six days and rested on the seventh day. The weekly cycle, from a worldly time perspective, the history of nations in, in the past have attempted to create a different weekly cycle, not a seven-day week, right? How many of you know about France? that they had a 10-day work week, or a 10-day week, that they used for just over nine years. They worked with this 10-day week. Russia attempted a five-day week for a couple of years and then decided that it wasn't working. They threw it out and went to a six-day work week for about nine years. Ultimately, they all returned to the seven-day week. Why? It's God's time. Now, we already know that there is nothing that we can identify the seven-day week on except for creation. It's God's time. How about the beginning day of the week? What day do we think is the first day of the week? 
That was the first day of the week, right? You know, notice God didn't name the days. He numbered them. One, two, three, four, five, six. The only ones that got names, Sabbath and the preparation day for the Sabbath. Everything else was a number. We've named them. They're named after planets. Okay? So we keep, yeah, we, we think of the first day of the week as Sunday. But others, not, it's not the same. For example, in European countries, um, places like India, Russia, Australia, they start their week on Monday. Our Monday is their first day of the week. Notice then that the seventh day of the week for them would then be Sunday. Okay. What about the Middle East? The first day of their week actually starts today on Sabbath. Okay, so, but many of us, you know, in, in the U.S., China, Japan, Canada, most of Latin America, and a few other countries, we start the first day of the week on Sunday. So again, I'm pointing you back to this question, are we keeping God's time? Or are we on world time, and that's why we have no time? Are we obedient to God's time? Our health, in my view, depends on our obedience to God's commands. So let's again look at some verses. A review, Exodus 15, 26. If we obey God, none of the Egyptian diseases, Egypt being the world, none of the world's diseases will come upon us. Deuteronomy 28, verses 26, or sorry, 27 through 29. Deuteronomy 28, verses 27 through 29. This actually gives a list of diseases that God would give for lack of obedience. The Lord will smite, smite thee with the blotch of Egypt and with the emeralds and with the scab and with the itch whereof thou can not be healed. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart and thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind grope in darkness and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled forever and no man shall save thee. Deuteronomy 28, verses 58 through 62. Again, a list of diseases, but this time he gives the reason why we would get them. Because if we're going to be in health, we should avoid disease. Not just avoid disease, but live healthy, proactive. Verse 58, if thou wilt not observe to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that thou mayest fear this glorious and fearful, fearful name, the Lord thy God, then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful, and the plagues of thy seed, even great plagues, and of long continuance, and sore sickness, and of long continuance. And he goes on and on, every sickness and every plague. Verse 62, and ye shall be left few in number, Whereas ye were the stars of heaven for multitude, because thou wouldest not obey the voice of the Lord thy God. Psalms 103, verse 3. God forgives, says, Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all the diseases? God wants to heal us. So here's the biggest disease. It is the sin of 
of belief that it is okay to sin. So I'll say it again. The biggest disease that we have is the disease that sin is a belief. Wait, let me say that over. The biggest disease is the sin of belief that it is okay to sin. The belief that I'll just do what I want and then I'll ask God to forgive me. We've heard this too much time, right? I'll just do it and then I'll just ask for forgiveness that way, you know. If they weren't going to let me do it anyway, it's too bad. I've already done it, and they'll just forgive me because I'm their kid, right? Do this with our parents. Okay, will God forgive us? Absolutely. Yes, guaranteed. God wants to forgive us, but does he want us to keep sinning? No. Never, never. God will forgive, yes, but for how long? What time is it on planet Earth? What time is it on planet Earth? Where is God? Where is Jesus? He's in the heavenly sanctuary. How long will he be there? Right now, forgiveness of sins is open to all. But how long will he be there? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.